Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so, uh, <sighs> Merry Christmas. Uh, I had so many people asking, Brother Kyle, you need to go get a suit like that. Are you going to go get a suit like that? Pastor Kyle, you should wear a suit like that and preach. Pastor Kyle, go get this. Kyle, here's a suggestion on Facebook. Hey, Kyle, they're having a sale at this place. And so April and I did a lot of talking. Uh, one was about when should you wear a suit like this. There's so many of you today that are saying never. Um, I chose today. Uh, thought it'd be a fun way to kind of kick off our time in December together. Um, that was my, uh, you know, J.C. Penney's pose. Um, y'all are all welcome. Uh, I want to talk to y'all real quick. This thing is hot, by the way. I had to, like, fix my tie uh, back there because I tied it short. And I figured if I had to unbutton my jacket, for those of y'all that get this reference, I'd have looked like Laurel and Hardy. It was super short like this, and I thought that would be awkward. So um, just over there, I was listening into worship. And uh, I just want y'all to hear my heart that I believe this is going to be the greatest Christmas ever. Yeah. And let me just tell you, yeah, I, I want you to know why. Uh, for several reasons, and one is this. I believe that this Christmas, there are so many in this room who have invited Jesus into their hearts, and for you, this is your first real Christmas. This is the first time you'll get to experience a Savior who was sent for you. That makes this Christmas special. The next is this. Uh, we live in a, a broken country, and for the first time in a long time, from the very top of the White House down, we're hearing Merry Christmas again. And I'm grateful for that. Um, but can I just tell you why I think it's going to be the greatest Christmas ever? Because you're starting December with your pastor in this suit. No, I'm just kidding. That is not why at, at all. Um, I believe it's going to be the greatest Christmas ever because I believe that we're going to start off December the right way. And it's not going to come through the manger offering, which we'll have at the end of service. Um, it's not because um, compassion's here and you can adopt a kid. I believe it's because God's changing the heart of our church. Amen. And more often than not, God just keeps showing up and, and declaring to us that we can, be, we can make a huge difference in our world if we'll just show up. And I believe this, that there is kids out there today uh, at our compassion booths. Uh, this is our compassion Sunday. I'll talk about that here more in a second. Who need someone to adopt them and take care of them across the ocean and uh, need a loving person to sponsor them. But I, I want you to know something. There's kids in Amarillo today that will have no Christmas. There's kids in Amarillo that have no coats. There's kids in Amarillo that will go this whole weekend without a, a meal. We can make a difference. And we should show up because I believe this can be the greatest Christmas ever. Amen. It's our chance. It's our turn to show up. There's this great moment in, in John, and, and to kind of start our Christmas season off, I want to take us forward in the narrative of the Christmas story to start 
our December. See, in John chapter 3, there's this moment where there's this guy named Nicodemus. He is a, a teacher of the law. In fact, he's a ruler is what Scripture says. He's, he's a big wig. And it says at nighttime, he kind of sneaks out away from his people. And he shows up to meet Jesus. And, and he's just giving him all this list of things. He's telling him, hey, listen, we know you're from God. And I love that, that sentence. He says, we know you're from God. Which means privately, they're talking about Jesus. He said, because no one can do the things that you do unless they're from God. And Jesus is starting out this conversation with him by telling him things like, I just want you to know something. No one can be born of God unless they're born again. Nicodemus is like, hey, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard anybody say. I'm an old man. How can I be born again? And then he starts to get almost, I don't know, scientific with him. He talks about anatomy and things like that. And Jesus goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, you got to know I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about a real birth. I'm talking about through spirit and water. I, I'm talking about, man, you need a life change. You've, you've done this for a long time. And Nicodemus, being someone of this stature, would have been an older man. And he's appearing before a middle-aged prophet, according to him. He doesn't see him as savior at this point. And he's like, you teach and you do things no one else has seen. You have to be from God. But tell me, what do I got to do to get what you've got? Because I'm a leader in the church. I should be doing some things. I, I should be experiencing some things. I want to teach like you. I want to draw crowds like you. And Jesus is like, it's not about that. It's about knowing what happens next. And, and so he struggles with this. And they keep talking back and forth like, how do we get to this point? How do, how do you understand if you're born again? How do I find a way to get what you've got because I need it? I, I get what you're saying. I want it. And then comes a verse in Scripture where we'll start today. John 3.16. I, I just want to start by saying this. Yesterday I was watching ESPN. And they do college game day. And that's the only time I watch that station now is so I can keep up on college sports. And in the background are all these signs, you know, your coach uh, plays for a girls team, uh, you know, your students are all out on bail, you know, all these crazy signs are everywhere. And in the midst of the crowd is always one sign, John 3.16, always. You watch politics as, you know, Democrats and Republicans are running for office and they all have signs up in the crowds, right? What's the one sign that's always in the crowd? Yes, elect me. Uh, no, John 3.16. And so every time you watch something on TV where there's large crowds of people with signs, there's one sign that always shows up. And I just have to believe that that should be a sign to us that John 3.16 is pretty powerful if it makes it onto national TV and doesn't get blurred out. We live in a bad world. We live in a world where people don't want you to know about Jesus. In fact... Just the opposite. They want you to denounce Jesus. They want you to forget about him. They want Christmas to be another holiday. They would much rather you love Santa that's on Coca-Cola bottles than a Jesus in a manger. Watch how they advertise to you. Watch what they say. You see, Jesus is constantly being deleted, not because advertisers don't see the monetary gain in it, because there's a real enemy, and he hates Jesus. 
and he wants you to as well. John 3.16 happens at the most strangest spot in Scripture, in the middle of the night with someone who shouldn't be around Jesus. In a conversation that really, at this point, if you didn't have context, would sound pretty weird. You must be born again. And so John 3.16 is a history lesson for Nicodemus and maybe for us today. It says, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him would not simply perish, but would have eternal life. But God did not send his son to the world, condemn the world, John 3.17 says. But through him the world might be saved. Verse 18 says, anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned. Because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. I want to stop here and just start answering some questions. God is in the preservation business. God is in the preservation business. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but through him they might be saved. He wants to preserve the world. He wants to reach the world. He wants to touch the world. He sent Jesus not so that people could say, not for me. For God so loved the world. He loved them so much that he would send Jesus to a world that would not accept him. He loved the Jewish nation so much that he sent him into that promise knowing good and well there would be a people that would not accept him. He sent him into a hometown that the people would not accept him. But God loved the world that much because he's in the preservation business. He believes that everybody gets a shot. He believes that you are worth Jesus today. He believes it so much that he was willing to teach Nicodemus, a guy that frankly, you and I probably wouldn't have gotten along with. That he was going to tell him for God to love the world. That he sent his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not just perish, but would have eternal life. Nicodemus is soaking this in. As a teacher of the law, he would have a, a pretty good understanding of eternal life, but his would have come through sacrifice. His would have come through obedience moments. His would have come through abstinence. His would have come through all the rules and laws and everything else that he would have been a teacher of. He would have put on the people, in fact, more than just the laws at this point. He would have put on his own people rules that he had made up. So at this point, you got to know Nicodemus is sitting in a weird seat when Jesus says, the way to the Father is believing in his one and only Son and you'll have eternal life. That is a stark contrast to what Nicodemus probably taught that day. He probably taught that you probably wouldn't be good enough to understand it. You got to know the people had long awaited a Savior. If you're a Bible scholar, you know that there was a time and and really in your Bible, you can look it up. There's some pages between your Old and New Testament for a reason. Those represent nothing. Time, agony, weeping, crying out. At this point, there are no more prophets trying to prophesy. Not at least ordained by God in his word. And so because of that, we get a moment of silence. 
a moment of agony, a moment of pleading, God, send your Savior. Where is he? Oppression is happening. The Romans have moved in. The colossal collapse of ordinary has happened. And now all that's left is hurt. That's what sets up the nativity story. The nativity story is at a moment of a crescendo in the orchestra where all is being led up to a moment of silence. Boom, Jesus, a manger. You got to feel the moment as Jesus is now grown and now Nicodemus is coming to him saying, we don't get you, man. We don't understand where you get this power from. We don't understand how you can teach like this. I don't know what's unique about you but I want to get some of that and I need to do it in private because if I do it in public they're all going to go against me so tell me what do you got that I'm missing and Jesus says me that's what you're missing God loved you so much he sent me to die for you believe in me and Nicodemus is sitting there like what I mean Where's the grain offering? Where's, where's the calf? What about the lamb? Uh, Jesus, what about the feasts? Um, what about the day of atonement, Jesus? I mean, all of these things we have practiced all of my life. What about those, Jesus? And Jesus just keeps telling him, God didn't send me into the world so that you would be at odds with him. God sent me into the world so you'd finally be good with him. But you got to believe in me. You know what he doesn't promise Nicodemus? Anything but eternal life. He doesn't say, Nicodemus, you're going to be a better teacher when you leave here. Nicodemus, you're going to draw bigger crowds. Nicodemus, your name is going to be headlined at every temple in every place, at any time, because now you and I have had this conversation. All he says is this, Nicodemus, if you would believe in me, all of this stuff is so temporary. But through me, you can have eternal life. It's the question we're left with today. What do we come to Jesus for? Because everything this side of heaven declares that you need more of you. You need your name in lights. You need more in your bank accounts. You need more cars. Because every one of us wants Robin Leach to show up at our house and go, you're next on TV, buddy. Or Cribs. Do they do Cribs anymore? I know Robin Leach isn't doing it. Anyways, I said Robin Leach and a whole section of our church went, who? That's okay. I'm old. Um, this is why we decide to make movements in the kingdom because we believe that God does a work in our lives because this everlasting life that God gives is not just a heaven ticket I think that's what people think when we receive Jesus as our savior the only thing we can count on is the fact that one day we'll be with him in heaven but here's the thing God gives you life and life abundant as well we get that in other texts so that means this side of heaven, God pours into you so that you would pour out into the world. He does not simply fill your tanks so that you can enjoy yourself. He fills your tanks so that you can fill the tanks of others. Do you believe that? I do too. Some time ago, uh, staff and I were at Orange Conference in Atlanta. 
Uh, we had just been through some conferences. We broke for lunch. And when we came back, there was a double-wide trailer there with a tent in front of it that said Compassion Experience. Uh, I looked at the staff and I said, let's go, let's go walk through it. I, I've been here for about, I don't know, nine and a half years. And that amount of time, I've seen a lot of concerts come through. Been a part of them backstage, getting them put together, making sure they load out at the end of the day. We've been here, haven't we? So many of you have been a part of those concerts. In every concert, we hear the same thing, don't we? At some point, the artist plays the last strum and the band walks off and they set their guitar down or step away from a piano and, and they come out and they say some words like this. I went on a trip. And while I was on a trip, I, I saw what compassion did firsthand. And it changed my life and I've adopted a kid. And I think you should too. If y'all would walk forward and pass out the compassion kits and people walk out and they pass out the kits and you know, kids get adopted through compassion and they leave. And I don't know about y'all, but I've heard that spill hundreds of times now. I have just have. Maybe you're numb like I am. You've heard it, you've seen it, you've passed. So we walk through the compassion experience as a staff. They hand you this iPod and some headphones and you plugged it in and you walk into the first room and you push play and it starts the story of a kid in compassion real life story. In the first room you hear about where they started and then their story is they get adopted through compassion and then what happened to their life since then. And at the end of that thing, you get to hear the real life testimony of that kid grown up. And I walked through the experience and I got to tell you, compassion changed for me. It just did. Because I've heard the spill a hundred times. I've seen the videos and, and and I just, I've not been affected by it. But in Atlanta, Georgia, walking through a semi-truck, listening to the story of a real kid, this life was changed. It changed my life. And so I started having a conversation with Compassion. I just said, listen, I, I don't know how that trailer thing works, how you get it to places, but I just got to tell you, I would love to have it in Amarillo. And they said, oh, Absolutely. When would you like it? And I was like, I don't know. I shot them a date and they said, man, we, we just don't have that date available. Here's the first time we have it available. And it was now. It's sitting there in the front of our, our property. And I, just by a show of hands, how many of y'all have gone through a compassion experience so far? Okay. Today and tomorrow, last two days. I don't want you to go through it just so you'll adopt a kid. I think that's a heart thing. I think you should go through it because sometimes it helps to see how blessed you are by God. Um, I challenged my staff when we came back. I said, listen, I, I want to hear your heart, but I want you to know my heart. Every year we send folks uh, to Ethiopia, every year. And we've sent a team now, last two years, yeah? And uh, they go to the same place. Every year, they fly into to Addis, and, and they go from there, and God's just been so good to us by sending our, our own missionaries there. So I started talking to Compassion, and I said, hey, listen, you're going to be here December 1st through the 4th. Let me just tell you what's going on at Quell Creek December 1st through the 4th. We're starting our manger offering, which we'll have in the offering time here in a minute. 
Um, I'll give more instructions about that later. Um, you know, we have staff Christmas blessing. We have, you know, people buying Christmas for extended family. We you always know, have so many things going on. And so to ask them to give to Compassion is one more thing to give money to. And, and so I, I literally questioned if we should have it. And then I adopted my kid. And I got to tell you, the difference for me is this. God's blessed me in April with two kids. I'm grateful for it. And they're good. In fact, my son ran in. He's helping April and and Mackenzie uh, out at the Compassion Experience right now as they greet guests that aren't a member of our church and talking to them about Cull Creek while people walk up. Um, But my son runs in and he goes, Dad, I'm just praying for you. Hope you have a good Sunday. And he ran back out. And I started thinking about that, that every day my son wakes up in a household where there's running water and air conditioning and a bed and food. Um, He gets to go to school every day. Uh, We took him to the doctor last week. Um, He gets that opportunity. Um, He gets to pray out loud. Um, He gets to read a Bible. Um, He has access to pretty much anything. Um, But my kid in Ethiopia has none of that. It just made me think, what would I do to help him? And so that's why they're here today. That's why we have the table out there. On the tables in the back are two tables full of Ethiopia. Uh, Kids that are around my kid. Kids that our missions team will get to see. In fact, in the coming year or so, um, as we send another team to Ethiopia, we'll set up with compassion to see those kids face to face. Um, I just want you to know why they're here. Because I believe it all comes back to this same story. Because God's poured into us so richly. That's the part of Christmas. We've been gifted for God to love the world he gave. And he gifted the best thing he had. The best. When I was, I don't know, I guess about 10 years old. uh, One Christmas I got my favorite gift of all time. They were called hit sticks. Had this little speaker on my belt loop. And these sticks that were wired. And you could air drum and hear it. Everywhere I went for like weeks, I was air drumming with hit sticks. My parents had to love that. I'd be sitting at breakfast just... You know? And then eventually we figured out that you could plug in headphones into the hit sticks. That was a really big buy. My parents were like, here's some brand new headphones. Please plug them in. I love those hit sticks. Then the batteries uh, went bad in them and burned up all the inner workings of the hit sticks. I can't even tell you what happened to those hit sticks. Maybe a move, we threw them away or something like that, but all I know is that somewhere along the line the hit sticks disappeared. Might have been that we plugged new batteries in and they worked again and my dad made sure they disappeared. But I can remember that good gift. It's one of my favorites of all time. I, I don't know about your favorite gift that you ever got. But I can remember those. You got to know that this night, as Nicodemus is standing before Jesus, the Christmas story's already played out. But Nicodemus had no clue. A long-awaited Savior that Nicodemus would pray for and preach about was standing right in front of him. And this is the first time in his life he's ever had an opportunity to 
to respond to him. So first, Jesus is in the preservation business. The next is this. Condemnation is the opposite of salvation. Condemnation is the opposite of salvation. Here's what that means. Jesus wants everyone to come to know him. He wants everyone to be saved. But he also realizes that God is not a forceful God that would force himself upon anyone. But he's a loving God who willingly directs people towards Jesus. But there will be some that choose not to hear Jesus' story. They'll reject it. They'll hear it. But their hearts will be turned hard by their disobedience to it. And condemnation will be that. And here's what condemnation means. Condemnation is separation from holiness. Condemnation is separation from holiness. So when you know that God is going to condemn, it means he's got to push someone away from himself. Condemnation is the opposite of holiness. But see, this isn't where the story ends. Verse 19 says this, This then is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices wicked things hates the light and avoids it, so his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown and accomplished by God. We have to identify what will guide our lives. We have to identify what will guide our lives. Man, you have got to make a decision, and so did Nicodemus that night. At some point, we've got to make a decision what will be our guide for the rest of our lives. Will we allow ourselves to guide our steps, or will we allow Jesus, who knows us, who crafted us, who molded us in our mother's womb, who knows our name, who knows the hairs on the head of each person in this room, will we allow that guy to guide our lives? That was a question left before Nicodemus. He just says this, the light shows up and people have to make a choice. Dwell in the darkness or find themselves coming to the light. The hardship in this scenario is this, the light exposes everything. And that's why people rarely come to Jesus now. We don't want to be seen for what we are. We don't want to be known for what we've done wrong. And the funniest part about that is this, when you come to Christ, And when you give him your life, you aren't known by anything you've done. You're known by everything that he has done. He exchanges your rap sheet for his glory. He changes your stripes for his own. For by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. You may have a scar from your past, but he has scars for your future. He is willing to exchange his greatness for your brokenness. All it takes is a step towards the Savior. I can promise you there is this lie that's out there that if you start to move towards Jesus, he's going to say, just take one step more and step back. That is not the Savior that I know. My Savior, when he asks you to move, greets you willfully. Does he need to? No. Should he in his glory embrace people that are far from him? No, but does he? Yes. You know why? Because God so loved the world that he sent him to do that. Jesus has never met a person too dirty, too unworthy, too broken, too sinful that he won't reach out to. Never once. So whatever story you brought in today, whether you're like a Nicodemus who Looked good on the outside, but inside was dead. Even if you're that today, 
Jesus is reaching out. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for me. We just have to reach out and he'll greet you and meet you. Here's the last. In Christ, something miraculous takes place. What you have always tried to do to look like Jesus, he now gives you the ability to do. Look at it in verse uh, 21. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. His works accomplished by God. So that's what this means. You are given the ability to see God work in you. That's what I want my life to be like. I want my life to be changed. Out there, the compassion experience is the sign. It says this, God always remind me I am but the glove that your hand fits into to do the work. I just want to be used by God like that, don't y'all? That night when Nicodemus showed up, he didn't know this was the conversation he was going to have. He might have thought that Jesus had some secret scrolls. Or maybe he did spiritual push-ups. I don't know what he thought. But all I know is Nicodemus didn't expect to be face-to-face with the Messiah that night. He came to test Jesus. And Jesus changes Nicodemus' world. How do we know? See, Jesus would ultimately lead to the cross, wouldn't he? And it says that as Jesus died on the cross, Nicodemus is working to get Jesus' body. Because he wants to bury him the right way. And so he does. Buys an expensive place to bury Jesus. Nicodemus handles all the rest. Did Jesus change Nicodemus' life? You better believe it. The question about Christmas is this, and I started by saying it. I believe this is going to be the best Christmas ever. The only way it's going to happen for you and me is this. Do you believe Jesus is the Messiah? Do you believe that he is the one that can save us? Do you believe he died for your sins? Do you believe he rose again? And do you believe that one day he'll come back? Today is your day to believe, just as Nicodemus had to. And I promise you this, while it may not make the presence under your tree multiply, while it may not mean that bad things are going to happen, I can promise you those that have faith in Jesus, this will be the greatest Christmas ever. Because for the first time in forever, you can say of that little baby in a manger, I know him. He's my Savior. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I'm just praying, Lord, that you have used this glove, God, to do what only you can do. God, I believe that you're speaking into hearts. Lord, I believe people need to know you as Savior and Lord. So, God, I'm praying for that. Lord, that today there's someone in this room that doesn't know you as Savior. And today they place their hope and their faith in you, just like Nicodemus had to. Because you loved us so much, you sent us the best gift ever. So we are gifted by Jesus. Lord, my prayer is today that you would stir the hearts of people that don't know you. And, Lord, that you'd speak over them. God, we just pray that you would move mightily in these moments that your spirit would fall in this place and you would change our lives forever. God, that's something only you can do. So Lord, may your spirit come and may you fall in this place. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.